Welcome to Kesed. Uh, if you're brand new, my name is Danny. This is Tom. We are two of the pastors here. And uh, if you have been coming for a while, but maybe you haven't experienced this, uh, this originally started as something we called a Tom update uh, when we started remodeling this building a few years ago. Tom is our executive pastor. He has an extensive business background. Uh, I think I've told you guys this, but uh, he's a Papa Murphy's guy. He's like the Papa Murphy's guy. So uh, pizza. So yeah. So whenever you buy pizza, you're helping out Jesus, right? So that's, that's how you can think of it. That's how you can think of it. So, yeah, Tom agrees. He's like, I'm not going to argue with that. Uh, anyhow, uh, so Tom has been uh, utilizing his gifts here for a long time. And uh, he gives us kind of very uh, transparent updates about what's going on with our community. And uh, so he's going to do that. A couple things I want to do first. Uh, I want to uh, announce that it, because it's fall and because unlike Kavika who did announcements, most of us know that good weather is involving rain and life-giving uh, water upon our planet. I, who else is a rain person? Anybody else here a rain person? Yeah. Yep. And how many people, like, you're wondering about leaving our church right now because you just... Yep. That's all right. We don't got enough parking spots anyways. So uh, just, just parking spots for people who love rain. Uh, uh, so uh, I'm excited that uh, we want to announce that we have some brand new fall uh, Kessid Scripture and Spirit tumblers that are uh, going to, uh, they're going to be on sale next weekend. These are actually designed uh, by Mariah, an artist in our church. I don't know if she's here right now. She is. She's so embarrassed right now. She's right over here. Can we appreciate her real quick? These are all, yeah, yeah, uh, these are 18 bucks, which is what they cost us, uh, so, uh, so uh, we're not making anything on them, but they're just something to do to, uh, to, to, to have uh, in your hand, maybe to give to a friend, invite a friend to church, but uh, like I said, those will be uh, sold next weekend, and then the last thing before Tom is next Sunday night, we have our very first night of worship and reflection right here in this room. Uh, it's going to be a very unique worship experience. We're actually going to take the band and put them in the center of the room down on the floor, we're going to turn all the chairs into a, kind of a half circle around them. And then we're going to set up some stations. We're going to have a communion station, a prayer station, and then we're actually going to put the baptismal on stage over here. And then we are just going to worship for uh, just over an hour and let God do whatever he wants to do with it. So we're not taking baptism sign-ups. We're just going to, again, we're just going to let people respond right there in that space. So that'll be uh, next, yep, 6 o'clock next Sunday night. So I would love, love, love for you to be a part of that. So uh, we're going to have childcare at it. So again, it, I, don't know, uh, I don't know what else you got going on, but consider changing your plans and coming to, uh, to worship with us. Amen? Amen. Okay. Here's Pastor Tom. Good morning, Kessler family. Great to worship you. September. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, that started. It's going to take about three to four months or so to complete. It's the downstairs, so it doesn't affect the, the two main floors here. So uh, we are excited to get that going. Um, also, uh, we had a family in the church who provided some matching funds up to $30,000 a couple months ago. I'm happy to report that goal has been met, so we raised $60,000. We have about $100,000 in our building fund, and that's about halfway where we need to be. So we, we're looking to raise the rest of those funds over the next few months, and we, we believe we will do that. So there's a report on that. Uh, switching over to general fund, we're down about 3% from where we were last year, same time. So I don't want to say we're not worried about it, but we're, uh, we hope to catch up by the end of the year on some of that, some of the tithings and offering. 
And I do want to thank all of you who, who do give uh, to the church, to the general fund, that we're sure appreciative of that. So thank you very much for your giving. Uh, during COVID, we brought on some elders that we really haven't had a chance to introduce you to. So at this time, I'd like to bring these guys up. Would you welcome them, please? We have a regular rotation of, of uh, people coming on and off the board. And uh, like I said, these guys came on during COVID. Uh, it was kind of a difficult time to be able to, to present, present them to you, but I would like to introduce you to each one of them. Uh, over here is Luke the Count. And Luke uh, is a school district administ administrator, and he's been here since the beginning of Kesset, about 12, 13 years. So this is Luke. Jason Lambert, in the middle here, he is a financial planner, uh, near and dear to my heart, and uh, uh, we geek out on spreadsheets and numbers all the time. Danny's curled up in a ball in the corner. Mm -hmm. and there's there's no color at all in those spreadsheets, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just, just know black is good, red is bad. Okay, just, yeah. just know that. Anyway, Jason, uh, Jason's financial planner, he's been here about four years, so would you welcome Jason, please. And you may recognize the last name of this guy, but this is Jeremy Lovelace, my son, and he is the vice president of our family business. So would you welcome him? And then just lastly, as I said, as people come on and off the board, we had some, uh, some gentlemen who rotated off, and I'd like to just name them. Uh, Dean Jenks, Jeff Moyes, Matt Stanfill, Don Herline, and Chuck Harsh. So if you see those guys around, appreciate their service, if you would, please. And... Um, Danny, that's all I had for today. Yeah, yeah. Can we appreciate Tom and the elders? Um, next, uh, we want to present to you uh, a few folks who are receiving their pastoral license. That uh, is, is a, they're a part of Kesed, and so I'm going to have them come up right now, if you would. Uh, these are people that uh, have been kind of functioning in this role for a while and went through a process with us. And uh, we, a few of them are fairly new hires that you're going to meet for the first time today, but they're really important for this season and what's coming next. Uh, the first one you've met uh, for a while, and that's Joe Borales right here. Joe, uh, yeah. Joe is our uh, pastor of student ministries, and he's just killing it. And uh, I just want to do a shameless plug for his parent night coming up. Uh, if you want to come and check it out and have pizza and just hear about that ministry and all that's going on, but uh, he's been here for a bit, but we didn't actually present him, and uh, we wanted to do that today, so Joe, thanks so much for being a part. This, uh, this next gentleman here at the end, is, his name is Kip Gallion, and uh, Kip is one of those people that shows up and is sort of like a, like a, a secret ministry uh, superhero that you didn't even know existed inside the congregation, but Somehow the Holy Spirit outed him that Kip uh, is a retired clinical psychologist and has been uh, on staff at other churches in uh, a variety of roles. And so after like the fourth meeting, we were like, what are you doing here? And he was like, I don't know. I just, I retired in this area to be near my grandkids and I just love this church. So we started working with him more and more and more. And so uh, eventually we hired Kip uh, part-time to be our pastor of discipleship and community life. And so you're going to see a lot of him uh, around our community and around our Kesed family. So we are licensing Kip today. Thank you. 
Uh, this next young lady right here in the, uh, with the dark hair, I know her, I've known her a long time, for those of you who, who uh, have been a part of the Kessid family. Her name is Bernadine Shelsky, and there is nobody, there is uh, probably nobody who has served longer and without recognition than Bernadine. She has been here since the beginning, and uh, we licensed her a while back, but again, we're presenting her today. She is our very first female pastor on staff, and... Yeah, okay. And for those of you that don't know, she's also my mom. So this is an interesting... So we license her today. And then last but not least is uh, our incredible worship leader, now worship pastor, uh, Chandra. Chandra has been uh, just a significant influence in our church and all that's been happening over the last few months, and so uh, there's no way that, that her anointing is not pastoral and powerful in all the things that it does, so uh, I'm really, really excited to license Chandra Geisen as our worship pastor. Um, I want to say one last thing. You may notice that, uh, that we are adding women pastors to our staff. This is something that came out of the Where the Girls Are series. The next step that we are in process right now is adding women elders, and so that's what you'll be hearing about next time we do this. Uh, it's just an important part, we believe, to have that voice honored inside our community here. So thank you so much for being a church that's willing to walk this stuff out. Uh, I'm going to have our pastors come forward, and then we as elders are going to pray for them, and then we'll continue on with our service. Lord, I thank you so much for, um, for these pastors, for these people who uh, stand on the front line, who serve, who lead, who, uh, who carry such a heavy burden inside this community. We are so honored that they are part of uh, the Kessid story, and we pray, God, that there would just be an immense amount of your peace your protection, and just, uh, just an overall presence in their lives as they continue to lead and minister inside this community. We thank you for who they are and that they're part of this family. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Can we just appreciate our elders and pastors? I'm back. It's me. Oh, thank you. Excited to be here as well, ma'am. Uh, I, listen, if you are brand new, uh, I am Danny, and I am uh, one of the primary teaching pastors here, and I'm just really grateful that you're willing to be a part of this series that we're in on friendship called Forts. Uh, when we launched this series, we weren't really sure exactly how it would come across, and we, we wanted it to be silly enough to be church-wide, but not so silly that it, that it, it appeared juvenile on the weekend and, and didn't have an impact, and I'm here to tell you that um, we have been pleasantly surprised, and you're going to find out a little more here in this service, that uh, this, this series has kind of snuck up on us and really become one of the more powerfully emotional series that we have done in a very, very long time. Uh, we started off by asking people to build forts with their family and friends because we all built forts, most of us as children, and we asked people if they would send them pictures. And here's a couple of the pictures that came in uh, since we started. This is Linda Carlson and her husband. Here's a picture of a tent we made with our grandkids. She says, it's not complex, but we all fit. <laughs> uh, I said last week that somebody sent in a picture of like a, like a partial log cabin. This is the picture that was sent in of the Morgans. Uh, 
What a beautiful surprise to have a fort built by my hubby just for me. I was totally taken by surprise. There was a youthful joy that sprang up and tears came to my eyes. I know the effort he must have put into it makes me feel so special. I can't wait to share it with the grandkids. A bunch of people in here are like, is that for real? Did he just whip that together in an afternoon? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's what a man looks like right there, everybody. <laughs> and I, I'm going to order one from my backyard because I couldn't do it. Uh, this is from Utah. This is Felicia Blair. Every blanket, toy, and even shoes, and maybe the bunnies. So everything that you see in that picture, you have to look close to find it all. And then lastly, this was a video sent in by some women in our church. They said, we all thought this video was hilarious because it looks like a never-ending exit of women crawling out of a fort. It was like one of those magic structures in Harry Potter that was a little box but held a whole room. And they just keep coming and coming and coming. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and they have fruit in there, as you can see. It's a fruit fort. Oh, more fruit. I didn't even notice that. I've watched it three times. So yeah, so that's some of the stuff. So uh, build a fort. Build a fort with a friend. Build a fort uh, with uh, some family members. Send us pictures. We want to make sure and, uh, and highlight that. It's been a really, a really neat thing. Uh, we talked about kind of a general definition of friendship last weekend, and that definition was this. Friendship is a type of relationship that is voluntary, flexible, dynamic, and unconstrained. It fulfills important personal needs like inclusion, affection, and affirmation of your identity. And I think for the most part, because it is rather hard to define, that fits really, really well. And in conversation, this sparked some, uh, some emotion in people because some people haven't experienced that, or at least haven't always experienced that. They actually experienced the opposite, a friendship that felt forced or pressured, inflexible, rigid, constrained, excluding, hurtful, and distant, doesn't have your best interests at heart or makes you question your identity as a person. This week, what we're going to do is create some really awkward space. And the only way I know to do this, because I do it a couple times a year, is just to be honest about the fact that this room is going to get rather uncomfortable. Uh, I'm going to ask that you, that you be okay with that, that, that you, just, you just honor that it is going to be what it is, and that you allow for it to kind of flow wherever it's going to. Uh, Thursday service and 9 o'clock were different but they both felt similar in their willingness to hold this tension, as we like to say around here. Today is going to be no different. Now, here's what I recognize. At this particular service, uh, we have a lot of visitors that come to this particular service. So if you are a visitor, this is something that, that Kessa does regularly. I'm not apologizing for it. I'm just warning you that uh, space like this gets held here every once in a while because today we're going to talk about what happens when people use friendships to abuse us when they use relationship to bring destruction or damage to us. We shared, uh, I think two weeks ago, that friendship is a really, really important part of our physiology. That as a matter of fact, loneliness, a person with chronic loneliness experiences the same amount of damage to their body as a person who smokes a pack of cigarettes a day. Now, that also means that when you're in relationships, maybe that you aren't lonely, but that are damaging, they also have this sort of physical effect on your body. So much so that WebMD has an entire section of its website dedicated to signs of a bad friend. 
That's how much relationships affect us physically. This is what they say. The page is entitled, What a Bad Friendship, What's a Bad Friendship or Bad Friends? It starts by saying, and I'm reading, if you've been questioning your friendship with someone, listen carefully to your intuition because there are a few signs that someone may not be a good friend to you. And then it gives categories of what it defines as bad or destructive friends. I'm going to read some of them to you. The first category is friendship with the user friend. Some friends only want you when they need something. They become friends and formed that relationship conveniently. And when you've given them what they need, they stop acting like a friend. Friends should help each other. But if the help is one-sided, this may be a sign that you are being used by a friend. How about friendships with the trash talker friend? Yeah. If your friend is always trash talking about their other friends to you, then they could be saying bad things about you to their friends. If this friend is always speaking badly about others, they may be a bad friend, and you should reconsider these friendships and relationships to see if they still make sense to be in. How about friendship with the friend who can't take criticism? This is, this is where the... the as I read these, the funny part is you guys don't get to see what I see, but normally I can kind of vibe with an audience as I'm doing different things because they'll look at their friends or they'll, they'll do a lot of nods. You guys have looked straight forward the entire time so far, and that's probably because as I'm listing some of these, you're with one of these friends. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, breakup Sunday's coming. I think it's going to be in two weeks. <laughs> I'll let you know, though. I'll give you at least a heads up. Uh, where am I at? Friendship uh, can't take criticism. How about... Did I already do a trash talker? Okay, how about this one? Friendship with the friend who can't take criticism. Friends should help each other, and sometimes we let friends know when they're wrong. A good friend will take criticism as a well-meaning tool for growth, while a bad friend may feel attacked when you say something they don't want to hear. Let's keep looking straight forward. We're almost through. <laughs> how about friendships with the friend who can't tolerate differences? Friends are going to have some differences, be it hobbies, outlooks on life, or perhaps even some values. If your friend is always putting you down for what you believe, they weren't much of a good friend, were they? How about flaky friendships? If you're the friend who is always making plans, and they're the friend who never hangs with you despite always saying how much they miss you, they may not be a good friend. Last one, pushy friendships. If you have obligations such as work, school, or family, and your friend gets angry whenever you're busy, then this can be a sign of a bad friendship. I like these last ones because they're both like same perspective. Like one of them's flaky and one of them's pushy and you don't really know who's who. And that's because the reality is we are all at some level probably not the friends we could be. Last week, I mentioned that we're going to have this truthfully, this how to kind of break up with your friends Sunday, how to talk through and walk out these toxic friendship relationships in real time. I also mentioned that with these kinds of friendships and when they are evaluated, they need to be processed in light of our own relational patterns. Our part of the problematic cycle must be addressed for the cycle to cease functioning. We don't just get to say, you have a problem and you have a problem and you have a problem. I wasn't pointing to him for any specific reason, I, but you all, we all have problems, right? You don't just get to say, everybody has a problem but me. You are in this as well. They go on and on and on with all kinds. I would eventually get to the kind of friend you are, and you would have to go, oh, that is me. I am a little bit flaky. I am a little bit pushy. I am a little bit, you would describe yourself as tender-hearted. Other people would say you don't receive criticism well. <laughs> and on and on we go. 
I received a lot of feedback from people that they are looking forward to how to extricate themselves from these relationships. But that leads us all to now. I share all of this because before we talk about how to break up with the people we are intertwined in toxic relationships with, we must talk about another kind of painful relational experience. You see, for some of you, when I talk about damaging relationships, you aren't thinking about your buddy at the bar who always gets you to drink too much. You're not thinking about the girlfriend you hang out with whose life is so cup half empty that when you leave, you feel like the world is nothing but grays and blacks and whites. You aren't thinking about those people. Instead, you're thinking about something much darker. When I talk about friendships that damaged or relationships that damaged, you're thinking about one that was filled with unspeakable manipulation and abuse. Stuff you may have never told anyone about. There are some of us in this room and watching or listening who to no fault of their own have experienced the grotesque reality of having their innocent friendships exploited. Relationships in which Someone just hurt them. They didn't do anything to warrant their betrayal or wounding. Someone asked me just uh, earlier this week, it prompted much of this conversation. When it comes to forts, some people think, yeah, I remember building it with a friend. Other people think, like this gentleman who asked me, what about the alcoholic mom who tore all my forts down? What about the father who never came home because he left and went to build a fort with his other family? Or what about the people in this room who made a fort with somebody who specifically then used that fort with the intention of hurting them and damaging them? We could go on and on and on about these kind of fort experiences because at some level, we have all experienced the great heartache that comes from deep relational trauma. Maybe not all in the same way, but I think most of us in the room understand what it is we're talking about right now. And that's why at Kesed, we talk a lot about trauma. We talk a lot about all the different ways in which our hearts are, are, are damaged, our hearts are broken, our, our, our spirits are kind of marked by these experiences that oftentimes we just try to ignore. But the problem is, and I'll put it on the screen, a therapist once told me, trauma left unchecked says never again. And lives are built around those sorts of pillars and cornerstones. And this is why for so many in this room, your trauma points to any and all potential friendships and screams danger. Some of those friendships, so much so that whenever you experience even the smallest seedling of true friendship, you either run from it or purposely sabotage it. Bringing about that same cycle of loneliness that causes you to seek out what it means to be in relationship once again, but then the trauma left unchecked says this relationship is dysfunctional, this is unsafe, and you all of a sudden are back inside this cycle that I know exists. It leaves you in the end less at risk of potential damage, but the problem is it also leaves you less at risk of potential love. So how do we deal with it? Well, the first thing we do is create space like this. Really uncomfortable, awkward space. This is what, by the way, church is supposed to be like. Not, not every week. 
You want really, really uncomfortable, and then you want really, really, like, man, this feels so right comfortable. You want to be able to move in and out of these categories because this is a human experience, and that's how humans work. This is not supposed to be a show or a program. It's supposed to be, according to the Bible, a body, and this is what happens. Bodies remember when trauma happens to them. That's what we're doing today, communally. We speak a lot about the healing power of Christ around here. First Peter 2 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Isaiah 53.5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his, once again, wounds we are healed. Now, I could fill your ears with verse after verse just like this, describing the way in which we talk about the healing power of Christ. But I don't know if you've ever realized that the healing power of Christ is very much attached to his woundings, to his experiences. As a matter of fact, if you look at Isaiah 53, 5, it says he was pierced for our transgressions. Did you know that word pierce is the Greek word trauma that we get our word trauma from? Jesus Christ was traumatized for our transgressions. What this is stating to all of us as human beings is that the sacrificial love of Christ is a love refined in suffering. That the first thing we do when we create awkward spaces like this is not invite Jesus in, as people say. Nope, Jesus lives in this awkward space. This is his space, his space of suffering and pain and authentically identifying what it is that has happened to him. That's why verse after verse after verse talk about the woundings of the Christ because we don't invite Jesus into our woundings. We just admit our woundings and suddenly find ourselves where Jesus is. This is what the world wants to hear but doesn't know, that Jesus Christ already identifies with every single experience and tear and trauma they've had. Now you may say, well, I don't know if Jesus experienced exactly what I had, but I would say it has to do with this, this sort of spectrum of understanding that Jesus relates to being innocent like you were innocent when you were traumatized. The Bible says he was perfect, as a matter of fact, never having done anything wrong. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. 1 Peter 2 says, Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. This means, and I think some of you can relate, that toward the end of his life, as the corrupt wishes of the world were being unfurled upon him, he was in every way undeserving of the pain he experienced. And yet, I would think above all damage done to Christ, above all things that he had, there's probably one that stands out as a little different, the one that came from the hands of Judah. Judas, because Judas was his friend. Last week, we spoke about the Last Supper, 
A little while after this, Jesus went to a familiar place. He went to a safe place. Luke 22 says, and he came out and went as was his custom. That phrase, as was his custom, is this idea that this place that he went to the Mount of Olives and the disciples went with him was his fort. This was his safe place. This was the place where he would go and pray and connect with other friends and have relationship and dream and connect with God even. This is the place that Judas shows up when he brings the soldiers with him. Verse 47 says, while he was still speaking, there came a crowd and the man called Judas, one of the 12, was leading them and he drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the son of man with a kiss? To this safe place, this person of innocence experiences somebody who comes with an agenda, who then tries to betray him, who does betray him, with intimacy. He takes what was supposed to be good and he warps it into something terrible. As a matter of fact, we will find out later that Judas had not only betrayed Jesus, he exchanged him for 30 pieces of silver, which to every first century reader, they all would have known that 30 pieces of silver is the price of a slave in the Old Testament. This is speaking to how Judas saw Jesus. Slave, not savior, less than human. A body to be sold or abused. You might think, well, at least he had the other disciples, right? Now, how many know the end of that story? By the end of the day, everybody would abandon him. He would end up being completely alone and without any sort of friendship. I was thinking as I wrote this, isn't that what trauma is ultimately? The abandonment of friendship. The not seeing another person as valuable, as important. And yet here's what we know about Jesus and his story that even this evil and dysfunctional friendship wouldn't defeat him. As I said earlier, if the sacrificial love of Christ is a love refined in suffering, then the death and resurrection of Christ is a story of healing and friendship restored. It's a story of someone who knows your pain and is willing to sit in it with you, who knows the things you've never shared with anyone else, I heard a quote this week. It said, we all come into this world looking for someone looking for us. I'm here today to let you know that that someone you're looking for is Christ. See, we sit in this space with either our own feelings and memories or someone we dearly love's feelings and memories, but nobody in this room can avoid the tragedy that I'm talking about. Nobody in this room doesn't understand what it means to have a relationship used to tear pieces away that you never thought you'd have exposed. And I believe in my heart of hearts that it's spaces like this that the healing power of Christ comes. I believe it's spaces like this that the best works of the Spirit are revealed. I believe it's in spaces like this that sparks of hope can be rekindled. Not because somehow I'm gonna make it all better, but because Jesus is the only thing there is that can. A big part of therapy, I know I've been doing it for like eight years. 
a big, big part of therapy is a willingness to sit in a room with someone who honors your tragedy, who honors the parts of your story that are, that are darker and lower than, than, than you ever want to admit. And I think if, if I'm not mistaken after all these years, I believe that in, that in spaces like this, we get to experience kind of a, a communal therapy. I think we get to sit together in the reality that we are all struggling to get out of spaces like this. And yet it's only in sitting in them that we find our healing. Some of us in the room, and I mean this with great love and tenderness, but you have been escaping your own health for years. You have been avoiding sitting in this. You had no idea this is happening and you are so angry with me right now. I can see it and I receive it. And I don't receive it because I, I relish it. I receive it because you are so loved and so beautiful. And the fact that you have never been able to sit in a space like this for longer than a minute before you numb away these feelings, I'm telling you the Holy Spirit can work with even what you're doing right now, just being willing to breathe, inhale and exhale, and not leave the room. You see, I'm not offering you a magic pill I can't make all the hurt go away. But what I can do is remind you that Jesus is already there with you, that he has never left you, and that he is waiting for you to just turn your face to him. Because I think he wants to make your forts of trauma into forts of healing. I think he wants to meet you in this space that he's been in for a very long time. So I'm going to let us stay in this space. And in just a minute, I'm going to have the worship team come out. And we're just going to see what happens. We're just going to be in this space, not escape it. We're going to rest in it. And we're going to see what God wants to do with it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this space belongs to you that we're in right now. We are wrestling. We are struggling. Lord, we are doing everything we can to, to not have to maybe face some of the stuff that, that you want to carry, a burden that you want to bear something that you know is too much for us but isn't too much for you. Lord, we're just going to, to allow you to do what it is you want to do. To allow you to move and to awaken and to heal. We just surrender this time to you now. In Jesus' name.
grander earth has quaked before Moved by the sound of his voice And sees it all shaking and stirred Can be calmed and broken for my regard And through it all, through it all My eyes are on you And through it all, through it all It is well and through it all, through it all, my eyes are on you, and it is well with me. This mountain that's in front of me It will be thrown into the midst of the seas And through it all, through it all My eyes are on you And through it all, through it all It is well And through it all His name is 
line put up one more time it is well with me I told you we would create a space that would be awkward and so I'm not gonna let us out of it yet because whenever we talk about experiences like this I want to make sure and honor the people who that lines not true that it is not well with them that they that they don't know how to let go they don't know how to move through it and I want to recognize that that's okay where you are. I also want to say I'm feeling led for, I don't know, somebody here. I believe you. And Jesus knows. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to have the team go back into that song in a minute. I'm going to have you stand so as not to point out anybody. But we're going to keep the lights like they are until the song gets bigger and then they're going to come up so get ready but here's what I want to do when we're standing and we sing this part of the song for those of you who can't sing it because it's just not true yet let the rest of us sing it for you let this community be a place that surrounds you listen to those voices know they are from God know that there is a space that is safe for you to find your well-being a, a space that is safe for you to experience the wholeness that Jesus wants in your life and know that even though you may not be able to sing it yet Jesus is still waiting he's still there and his healing is coming and so let's stand up church and let's raise our voices for those who cannot Let's sing it as well.
Heavenly Father, you and you alone can meet us in this space that we have followed you into. So God, I pray for every person in this room that this would only be the start of their healing, that there would be a willingness to come alongside someone who can hear from them their story, that there would be people in this room who who will be clearly marked as those who are able to, to hear and to support and to encourage. I thank you, Lord, that we can be a community that faces even the, the most difficult of spaces. We lift you above it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Thank you guys for being who you are. God bless. We'll see you next week.